I want to welcome you to day two of our look through First and Second Samuel. We're really looking this week particularly at chapters one through three. Yesterday we introduced the books, and today we begin to dive into the life of Samuel in chapters one through three. And we're going to see how he lived with an open heart. In these days of open heart surgery, we don't talk enough about open-hearted people. These kinds of people, open-hearted people, they're the kind of people that you like to be around. They seem to really enjoy life. They care about you. They're able to listen. They have a sensitivity instead of a stubbornness about life. And it seems to characterize the way they treat you, the way they make decisions, the way they handle their relationship with God. Samuel was a man who lived with an open heart. He was, he was tuned into God's voice when much of Israel was thinking only of themselves. He was a man who was willing to listen, to allow God to change his mind and change his direction. And he really cared. He cared about God's will. He cared about God's people. I want to be that kind of man. I want you to be that kind of man or woman. What gave Samuel an open heart? We're going to look through that this week and even into next week as we learn from the life of Samuel how to live before God with an open heart. What gave Samuel an open heart? That answer has to begin with two names, Hannah and Elkanah, Samuel's parents. Parents are entrusted with a great opportunity. We can either open the door to an open heart for our children, or we can close that door. Now, God can still open our hearts, but not due to our parents' ministry. How do I live with an open heart? Chapters 1 through 3 are overflowing with practical ideas concerning actions and attitudes that parents can take or adults can take in the lives of children that make all the difference. It might surprise you when you get into 1 Samuel, this history of Israel. The first few chapters read somewhat like a parenting seminar, what to do, what not to do. There's a lot of help for parents in these chapters, a lot of help for parents these next few days. But this isn't just for parents. It's for relationships at work, relationships at school, for friendships. It's also for everyone who is a child, and every one of us is that. Every one of us has parents. And when you understand what these verses have to say about how to parent, they also help you to understand some things about yourself, how you were parented, and whether your heart was led to be open in the early years or not. And it helps you to understand how you to live before God even now. Samuel becomes the great spiritual leader of his day. And in these first few chapters, we get insight into how his parents and the adults in his life were an important part of what he became. What can you do for a child to help them to live with an open heart? What was done for you or not done for you as a child that would have helped you to live with an open heart? What do you do? We're going to talk about three things these next couple of days together. First thing you do is you get your love in order. Now, in the next few days, we're going to talk about getting your life in line. We're going to talk about putting your children before the Lord in God's hands. But we're going to begin by talking about getting your love in order. When you talk about helping kids, children, especially as parents, to love the Lord, to live with an open heart, the order in which you love is very important. So what do you love most? Now, if chocolate fudge sundae is the first thing that came to your mind right now, you can see how that might cause problems in a marriage or in a family. Sorry, babe, I, I missed our anniversary. They had a sale on chocolate fudge sundaes at the ice cream store. Whatever you love most, whatever your priority of love is in your life, is going to drive forward an open heart or a closed heart before God. Now, to parents, you might be surprised that in a list of three priorities of love, the healthiest place for your child, for a child to be, is third. When you talk about the Lord and your marriage and your children, you love them all desperately with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But really your child, your children come third in that list. First, you love the Lord. Jesus taught us this. 
It's the first commandment. You love the Lord. You might remember the story of Samuel's mother, Hannah. She wasn't able to have children. And she was desperately wanting to have children. And so she prayed this in chapter 1, in verse 9. Let me read these verses. Beginning in verse 9, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, this is where the temple was or where the place of sacrifice was, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting in his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to God, his hair will never be cut. This prayer that Hannah prayed that day, God answered that prayer. In verse 20, and in due time, she gave birth to a son and she named him Samuel. For she said, I asked the Lord for him. Samuel, you might know, means God has heard. God heard Hannah's prayer, and she named him, saying, God heard my prayer. And Samuel eventually goes to serve in the temple, just as Hannah had promised, under the leadership of the prophet Eli. And as he serves in that temple, he finds something different. Instead of a mother like Hannah, who put her relationship with God first, such a priority that she was willing to ask God and then give to God, she finds there a prophet who did not put his relationship with God first. In chapter 2, beginning in verse 27, here's what it says in 1 Samuel. Now a man of God came to Eli and said to him, This is what the Lord says. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your father's house when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your father out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod in my presence. And I also gave your father's house all the offerings made with fire by the Israelites. Why did you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel? So here you have this comparison. Hannah, who put God first. Eli, who was serving God but who put his family first, who put himself first, who had a selfish kind of service. And his sons, as we walk through this story, are gonna, you're going to find they had many, many problems. They were selfish, unholy men. They had a disastrous end. Even though Eli was a priest, because he put them ahead of God in priority, they had all kinds of problems. Now, kids can have all kinds of problems for all kinds of reasons. And I want to warn you parents against evaluating how you did or didn't do God tells us here what Eli did. And your children may have problems because of your priorities. They may have problems because of their own priorities. But what I learned from this is, what can I do now? Kids are going to make their own choices. But in this case, the problem started because his children were more important to him than the Lord. And it is possible for your children to be too important to you. If you give an egg the right amount of warmth, it hatches and it grows. If you give it too much warmth for too long, it's going to spoil. So the question for all good parents is, how do you keep from being overprotective? How do you keep from smothering your children with an unhealthy, selfish love? And the example is here in Hannah. You love the Lord first. Don't make it too complicated. Make your love for God a priority in your life. Let him speak to you in your life. Don't make God a way to take care of your children. Make your priority of your love for him the very first thing. Only by making him first can you build this all-important quality of trust into your relationship with your children. So first, and I took most of the time on this one, first is your relationship with God. And then second is your relationship with your spouse. 
Elkanah, Hannah's husband, teaches us about this. In 1 Samuel 1.8, Elkanah, her husband, said to her, and this was before Hannah had children, when she was still grieving. Her husband says to her, Hannah, why are you still weeping? Why, why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? Now, when you read this verse at first, it sounds very self-centered. Elkanah doesn't care at all. But you have to understand some of the culture of that day, where for a husband to not care about his wife having children was extremely unusual. It showed in these verses that he loved her more than he loved the children that she could bring. And in that culture, usually a husband loved the children that a wife could bring because that meant riches for him, that meant value for him, that meant influence for him. So he says, I love you, even if you don't have children. Who's the most important person in your life? If you're married, it needs to be your spouse, obviously, because you're one, you're one. If it's not your husband or wife, and you have kids, if it's become your kids, then you're cheating your kids out of an open heart. You're cheating your kids out of the opportunity to see the kind of love that should happen in a home. Now, I I say this with full understanding of the struggles that we have. And again, I don't want to heap guilt or blame or anything on any of us. What I want to do is invite us to walk through the difficult times to keep loving each other as husband and wife, even during the tough years of child raising. What I want to do is affirm those of you who are saying, I'm going to make this a priority in our date nights. I'm going to make this a priority in the time that we spend with each other. Because when you do that, you're doing something great for your kids. First the Lord, then your spouse, and then your children. Now, being third doesn't mean you don't love your kids deeply with all your heart. It just means that you have your loves in order so that you can love them with a healthy love. Let me talk about this as we end on a broader basis, because I know not all of you are parents. Jesus taught us the clearest priority about our loves when he said, you first commandment, you first love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second commandment is you love people. You love your neighbor as yourself. As you love people, I would encourage you, don't let your love for others, for all people, become an excuse for not loving those you are most committed to through the tough times. We, we tend to do this. We, we run from a tough time in marriage to our kids well, I'll just pour all my love into them. Or we love from a, we, we run from a tough time with our parents to a ministry in the church. I'll just lose myself in ministry in the church because we don't want to walk through the tough times. Or we run from a tough time in a commitment, in a marriage commitment to our friends. I'm just going to spend all my time with my friends. We run from a commitment to a friend to pray for the world. Sorry, I couldn't be with you because maybe it's not so pleasant right now. You've got some difficult things to walk through. And you say, I had to, I had to be praying for the world, that kind of super spiritual thing. Love is too powerful. It's too wonderful a thing to allow it to become a mere excuse. So here's the invitation. You love the Lord. And out of that love, you love in the committed relationships of your life because God honors our commitments. And out of that love, you love all who are around you. That's the right order of love. Let's pray that God would give us the strength to do that because I don't know about you, I need his strength to love. Father, we pray for your strength. If we're gonna love like you've challenged us to love, we can't do it on our own strength because we're around people that are tough to love sometimes because they're imperfect and we're tough to love sometimes because we're imperfect. So I pray you'd help us to learn from Hannah and Elkanah. Help us to learn how to love in the right order. Love you, Lord, first and Love if we're married, our spouse. Love our kids. To love in the tough times, in the committed relationships. 
Help us to love in the right order. Help us not to run away from the opportunity to love someone today, even if it's difficult. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to look together at the power of your example to others. <laughs>